All righty. Good to be with you. Thanks for coming today. I appreciate you being here, not only because it's, 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 it's more meaningful to, to speak to people <laughs> during COVID, talking to that camera all week after week, right? But just the, the value of, of your, your fellowship in the Lord, to, to love Jesus together. Uh, it encourages us. Glad you're here. You know, we sing that song, free, free. I know we're in the winter, but boy, it always reminds me of, you know, jailbreak, you know, those summer games we played with all of our neighbors. And the, fun, the thing about it, though, was you would, sometimes you would be like, you'd run and you get there, freedom, you know, and, 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 and you're, boy, and just when you're getting out of jail, somebody would grab you right away and say, you're caught, and you're right back in again, right? That's uh, sometimes uh, our, our way, but not with God. Free, free, forever we're free. When I came to faith in Jesus and my sin fell off, I don't mean I never have sinned since. I mean that the, the penalty of it and death, fell, it fell off forever. Uh, freedom. Sometimes we're in situations in life where uh, we didn't know we would want to be set free. And I was seeing some of them uh, on Facebook this week, you know, I, I, I go on Facebook mainly to say happy birthday to people and to see some things that are happening. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, it, there's a lot of clutter on there now that like you just have to keep going through or whatever. But sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it'll catch my eye. So I saw this this clip of videos this week, like one after the other, and they were all people who decided they were going to go take a nice walk with their dog. And so they put that leash on the dog, and they put that leash on their hand, and off they went, not knowing what was ahead, right? And, and the, the first, you know, the, there's a woman, and she, the dog takes off for the lake, and she's tripping and falling. Before you know it, loses her balance. I mean, head first, that dog pulls her right into the lake, right? And the, the, one, the next little clip, and, it, and it's, a, you know, sometimes they're like th two seconds. It's just a kid on the ground, the dog is pulling him along, and his mother's running behind chasing, you know. He has lost control, and he, you know, the dog's going faster than the mom can. The, the one, there's a guy, and uh, he, he's stronger than his dog, I'm sure, but he, he now doesn't have the footing his dog has. And that dog pulls him right into the midst of, of the muck and the mud, and down he goes, and, you know, and <clears throat> it reminded me of... Uh, I was on a, the uh, camp team. It was a ministry team <clears throat> when I was in Bible college, summer of 1981. And uh, this one camp was in upstate New York where they all had a lot of horses, Camp Sakandaga. And uh, they would clear the horses out of the pasture and they would uh, wet the, this probably a 10 by 10 yard area that they would just drench in the middle of a horse pasture. And, um, I, you know, it, it wasn't grass, if you know what I'm saying. It was a bunch of dirt. But um, then they would have this big, long rope. And it was, the rope was so thick and long, they, you, you, like, you couldn't, like, you couldn't roll it up and carry it. Like, they, they brought it out in a wagon and then stretched it out, a couple people. And they would do tug of war. And there would be six teams on this team and six. It was like six on each team. And, you know, who's going to get pulled into this stuff? You know what I mean? And uh, lots of times they, people would let go. And, ah, you know, and, but on this one team, they had this guy. And he was, he was built. He decided, I'm taking this rope. I'm wrapping it around me. And I'm getting it cinched because I'm going to be the anchor for our team. And he was strong. And it started on. But, but as, it, as his team started to give way a little bit, the people in front of them all just, they didn't want to go, they jumped ship. 
And so as they're letting go, he's realizing, yikes. And I can still see him trying to undo this rope as he just got pulled right, right through all, all the mud, right? I mean, a tug of wind folds. How? Well, when two bodies with opposing wishes or plans or directions, when they interact, right? And today we're going to see in 2 Samuel chapter 2, I invite you to turn there if you have a Bible, but in 2 Samuel chapter 2, we've been studying this, today we're going to see the timeless tug of war in David's life regarding who will be king over Israel. But obviously we'll see the context, but we know it's not limited to armies and nations. It's not limited to people walking their dog. It affects all of our relationships. We often live our relationships in a tug of war sometimes. Now I say often, sometimes they don't fit. But, but sometimes we live relationships in a tug of war. And the reason being is because there's a tug of war inside of us. And that tug of war inside of us is between my sinful flesh and the spirit of the living God. And it is there in you as well. And that tug of war is what we want to be attentive to today as we read this passage. Uh, we have fixed our eyes on the Lord. We ask him to speak to us through his word. And so let's read it. Verse 8 I'm going to read. But Abner the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, had taken Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. He made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin. These are all tribal. Even over all Israel. Ishbosheth, and I think I'll just call him Ishbo from here on. It's easier for me. Ishbo, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he became king over Israel. He was king for two years. The house of Judah, however, followed David. The time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. The first thing I want us to see is the contrast between Abner and David. If you've been with us, if you're new today, I'll, I'll fill you in. But if you've been with us, we've been looking at 2 Samuel. We know that 2 Samuel really is part of 1 Samuel. That it was originally one book in Scripture. Uh, when the Septuagint translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, they split Samuel into two books our English translations can have kept that. But we know what? The, there's a context. When 2 Samuel begins, the context is King Saul has been trying to kill David because he's jealous. King Saul and his army lose to the Philistines. Saul is killed. His son Jonathan is killed. David and his army beat the, um, the uh, Amalekites. And they come back. They find out that King Saul has been killed. The battle didn't go well. Abner was the commander of Saul's army. And so Abner now gathers the remnants of the army at a place called Mahanaim. The reason he's there is because the Philistines, their drones don't cover that area of the land. Obviously, there, there were none, right? Because your reach was as far as you wanted to send foot soldiers. And the Philistines didn't care about that area. So that's where he gathers the armies that are left over. David, meanwhile, grieving over the loss of King Saul, grieving over Jonathan, he has this long lament uh, and doesn't rush through this moment of grief. Instead, even though David knows that God has anointed him to be the next king, 
David knows God said, you are going to take Saul's place. Even though he knows that, he doesn't run ahead of God. He doesn't rush the moment. He does what? He asks the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do now? And God moves in David's life. The contrast is with Abner. Abner doesn't ask God anything. Abner is the cousin of Saul. Saul is now dead. Abner was the commander of his army that lost. Now Abner's looking and saying, I don't want the control of Israel to go over to David. I want it to stay in the family because I'm the most powerful one in the family. I'll grab little Ishbo and I'm going to make him the king. Abner doesn't ask God anything. He just goes ahead with what it is that he wants, what kingdom he wants to claim, what he wants to take hold of. And the contrast is seen. David's asking the Lord. Abner's not asking God anything. We also see in verse 4 that what? That the men of Judah came and anointed David king over the house of Judah. It's the people who anoint David king. Not in verse 9. In verse 9, Abner makes Ishbo king, all by himself, I'm making you king. This little pawn, this puppet, he moves ahead with it. Clearly it's a power grab. One commentary says, it would have been simple had all Israel now united under David's leadership. But it didn't for very clear reasons. The primary reason was named Abner. We're going to, the focus of this sermon is to look in at me, at you. But by the very outset, it's important to realize the destruction, the division one person can cause. The kind of person that is geared that way. As a matter of fact, Proverbs describes that kind of person to us in Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 28, a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. There are those people, and again, we want to look at ourselves first, but it is important to understand the principle that we be alert to those people who are just habitual at causing division. I can remember being in the youth group. And I remember this one particular girl, you know, decades ago. I don't like all the gossip going on in this youth group, she would say. And I'm thinking, the only person I hear gossip all the time is you, right? Like this, you're the person who's tearing apart these friends and, and, and always saying this about this person and that person. There is a sense where we have to at least recognize that there are going to be individuals who that is their lifestyle. I don't mean they're just in, in the midst of one, they've made a mistake and they've caused some hurt over here. I mean time and time again, they are causing division. They are trying to pit this against that. Jealousy, pride, trying to claim the, you know, the ground for themselves. You know. And the Apostle Paul makes clear to us in Romans chapter 16 that there does come a point where we have to be alert to that uh, in our friendship circles, in our teams, in our church, right? That what does he say in, in Romans 16 and verse 28? And there is no Romans 16, 28. <laughs> what am I looking at? 
Verses 17 and 18. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I have not added to Scripture, I promise you that. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned. And what? Turn away from them. Now, is there a place to go to somebody and restore them? Hey, you know, I think I, I, I want to just help you see this isn't helpful. This is, uh, yes, a place to, how do we include people that are maybe being mean to us? Absolutely. I'm talking about that just warning in Scripture. If you have a friend that is constantly destroying all your other friendships, you maybe need to stop and say, I, I need to turn away from that particular person. That, that, that there is a need to be alert to an Abner. Then, of course, is the need to be alert to what? The Abner inside of me. And we see the contrast between Abner and David, but that leads us to what? A second contrast. The contrast between the flesh and the spirit. In John chapter 3, Jesus speaks to us about the foundational truth of the major difference between the flesh and the spirit. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He knows Jesus is clearly from God because of the miracles that he's doing. And in verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. And my friend, if you're sitting here today, if you're watching us, wherever you may be, if you've never been born again, those words should be very concerning on your ears. Because I'm not the one saying them. If I'm saying them, you can go, who's he? He's a kid from Maple Shade. You know, I'm, I'm, he's one of us. Jesus said this, if you're not born again, there is no other way. You will not ever enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because of the contrast between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh, this body that was born and is now tainted by sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, right? That, 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 that truth about who we are in our flesh, this flesh wants to deal with my sin, how? By good works. I need to get saved, so I'm going to go to church a lot. I'm going to give money to this person. I'm going to be nice to my neighbor. I'm going to do all these things. And Jesus says, I want you to know something. Your flesh accomplishes nothing. Your flesh, the efforts of your flesh accomplish nothing. That which is born of the flesh is only flesh. You may work hard in your flesh, and you may get yourself a couple more years than I get myself in the flesh. But that's it, right? Because that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And that's how? That's by faith. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, uh, these verses that many of you know well, but uh, it's important to keep going back to them. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
free, free, forever free, right? Free grace that comes upon me. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. And that's why Jesus in John chapter 6 and verse 63, he makes clear it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You have the ability as a fleshly human being to live a more moral life than someone else. You do. We know that. Plenty of atheists out there that are living good, quote, lives, but not good in the eyes of God. Good in the sense of doing good things, uh, kindness, generosity. But Jesus makes clear the flesh only gets you flesh. You need faith in the spirit life. And when, what is that? To come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because in that passage, Jesus says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him has everlasting life. You'll never perish. So that's the first key. When it comes to salvation, this contrast between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh accomplishes nothing. The spirit brings us faith in Jesus Christ sets us free. But now that goes on in our daily life, right? In my daily life, there's a little Abner, I, I, you know, little Abner inside of me, right? I think I, when I was reading about the cartoon, little Abner was actually like six foot four or something, you know, you know but there's a little Abner inside of me who wants to do what? Tug of war with the Holy Spirit now that I'm saved and tell me to live the way I want to live. Listen, back in 2 Samuel, where we were, where we've been reading in chapter 3. We're not there yet, but I'm going to let you look ahead for just a second to verse 9, because this is Abner talking. He's in an argument now with Ishbo, and he says, May God do so to me, and more also, if as the Lord has sworn to David, I do not accomplish this for him, to what? To transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and to establish the throne of David over Israel. What's Abner saying? I know that God told David he's supposed to be the next king, but that's not what I want. <laughs> I want Ishbo to be the king so I can really run everything through him. We had a family gathering at our house a week ago, and uh, I decided a while back one of the things that Pop Pop is going to be loved for is peppermint patties. And uh, I, I have uh, bought a box of, I don't know how many, it was a hundred and some peppermint patties. And um, I eat half of them and the other half go to the, to the grandkids. But, but the boxes, they know where it is. So if they say, can we have a peppermint patty? Okay. They know where it, and they can. And this, this, at this gathering, Audrey, uh, Grace, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Vince and Katrina's daughter, Audrey, said, pop up, can I have a peppermint patty? And I said, well, you're going to have to ask your mommy and daddy. And she said, pop up, they're going to say no. I'm asking you, can I have a peppermint patty, right? <laughs> and, and it is, it's cute because it's a kid, right? Here's what she's saying. I already know their will on this matter. If I wanted their will, I would have gone to them. And, and that's what Abner, the spirit of Abner is. I don't want to know what God's will is. I know what will is. And it's that battle of the flesh and the spirit. And I know there are some who would love to come to church and say, just tell us how beautiful we are as human beings. And you are beautiful in that you've been made in the image of God. 
and you're, you're more loved than you can even know because the heart of God that loves you. But God's also very honest, and I'm thankful for a congregation that doesn't say, just tell us nice things about ourselves. But be honest. And here's what God says honestly about Vince McDonald and other human beings like him. In James chapter 4, James says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? In other words, the battle starts inside of you. And then it's a tug of war with others in your life. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Doesn't mean you can't say, Lord, we'd love to go on vacation this week. Would you allow us a vacation? You're allowed to ask God. He's, he's talking about that, that dominant part of life where everything's about me, 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 me. Building my kingdom. Attacking, claiming, right? I mean, and, and, and it just, it, it's, it, the, way it, the way it unfolds in us, sometimes it's triggered because of something where we've been offended. So, you know, we get offended and we're on the defensive. And the, being on the defensive, it, it's, not, it's a fine line between being on the defensive and taking on the offensive, right? And that's for, you got Abner here. The Philistines have attacked. They have lost. And now in the results of this loss, all right, what, what can I claim for me? The contrast between the flesh and the spirit. And the problem is if we allow Abner inside of us to be louder than the spirit, the results of the flesh are destructive. Uh, we look at the results of the flesh here in 2 Samuel, uh, back where we are in 2 Samuel chapter 2, and David's trusting God and he's king over Judah, and he has peace there in the south. I'm not going to run ahead of God. But Abner is, is trusting his flesh. And so he sets on an attack. We read in verse 12, Now Abner the son of Ner went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon with the servants of Ishbo the son of Saul. And Joab the son of Zeruah, the servants of David, went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. They sat down, one on the one side of the pool, the other on the other side of the pool. Now, they're not sitting there by the jacuzzi, you know, just a couple feet away. They, what we have here is we have the pool of, of, that, that, that's there. It's a natural pool. There's a hill coming down, and there's a pool of water at the bottom. Uh, Alfred Edersheim uh, describes it as about a rectangular pool that's about 70 feet long, 42 feet wide. And so Abner and his armies are sitting on the, the north side of the pool, Joab, who's the commander of David's army, is sitting on the south side of the pool, looking at each other. And Abner comes up with an idea, and the results of the flesh are going to be very sad, right? Uh, Alfred Edersheim says, the first conflict between the armies of the rival kings was undoubtedly provoked by Abner. Abner has an idea. Abner shouts out, hey, Joab, I have an idea. Let's take your 12 best fighters 
Let's take my 12 best fighters. Let's have them go at it with each other. And, uh, you know, I, I remember my dad telling us when we were kids, my dad is a twin. His twin brother has passed. His other younger brother has passed. But my dad would tell us about his twin brother, my Uncle Tom, who was a, 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 a big fella, and um, that when he was a boy, he was always, he had such a soft heart. Dad would always say, oh, you know, he could p- picture his brother Tom, like, always trying to save a bird or something, some kind of animal in a box he's trying to care for him. But something changed. My dad and my Uncle Marty went into the Army. My Uncle Tom went into the Marines. And when they came out, I remember my dad telling us that, that one day they were there, at the, I don't, whatever it was, they were home from the service, and my Uncle Tom said to his two brothers, hey, why don't the two of you guys beat me up, and when you're done, I'll beat you guys up, right? <laughs> and my dad said him and my Uncle Marty wanted nothing to do with it because they knew. My Uncle Tom, the Marines had done something to him. Now, thank God for all of our armed forces, but the Marines had created in him a, a, a fighter that they, the both of them did not want to mix with, right? I remember when I was in junior high, uh, now, those of you who know anything about Philadelphia sports history, that was the mid-70s. It was when the Flyers won back-to-back Stanley Cups. We had no idea they would never do it again the rest of my <laughs> lifetime, right? But, but we, we, we uh, in Maple Shade, street hockey became big, 73, 74, 75. I'm in, I'm in seventh and eighth grade. We would go up to the Woodlawn Fields, and uh, if you go in the Woodlawn Fields today, there's a little playground here in the parking area, and you may or may not notice, but after that, there's the remains of a tennis court there on the right before you get to that far ladies' softball field with the baseball fields on your left. And that tennis court was fenced in. The town didn't have a hockey court at the time. I think it's because we ruined the tennis court that they put the hockey court in. But we took the nets down, and we would play street hockey in there. And I remember one time going to the corner. A friend of mine, he'd been one of my good friends, going into the corner, and uh, he has the ball. And as I'm coming in, I didn't check him yet. I didn't even stick check He just drops his gloves, turns around, and hits me in the face. And something happened. First of all, I'm thinking, why? Why? You know, is it just that he decided this is the time? I want to see. This is the time. Let's see, you know, uh, how this unfolds. I can tell you this. When he hit me in the face, it didn't unfold the way he thought it was because I thought that didn't hurt that bad. And I grabbed the inside of his collar, and I was the hammer. Man, I was boom, 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 boom. Now, I might have weighed 75 pounds, but I was do, 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 do. And he knew at the end that he had made a mistake, right? Now, I'm not, nobody challenged me in the parking lot. Those years are over. I, I have no shame in running away. <laughs> right? But you, you, some of you ladies may say, that is such a guy thing. You 12 fight us 12. And I agree. I don't remember seeing in eighth grade the girls holding each other's hair and just going, going at. But I do remember seeing girls crying because this group of girls said, you can't be friends with us if you're going to be friends with her. So it's not just a guy thing. 
to have that Abner. It's all of us, that sinful flesh that says what? I'm going I'm to take apart that friendship because I don't want them being friends with each other. But hey, why, why are you getting recognition over here? I want to be like that Abner flesh, and it's destructive. The results are terrible. Because we see in verse 16, each one of them seized his opponent by the head, thrust his sword in his opponent's side, so they fell down together. All 24 of them die. They all kill each other. Here's God in heaven saying, I was king over you, Israel. But you said we want a fleshly king. And this is what you get. Because it only takes one king, and the passing of it was what? War. You know, I understand our concern in this country to keep peace when there's a change. But we have no idea what it's like other countries where every time there's a change in leadership, thousands of lives are slaughtered, right? You know, it's, it's this Abner spirit, Right? That, that Abner does what? He, 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 the results are disastrous. Not only do the 24 kill each other, but it leads to all-out war. Verse 17, that day the battle was very severe, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. Whew. Paul says to us in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5 and what is it, verse 15, I believe, that Paul gives us a warning, but if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Take care that it doesn't destroy your circle of friends, destroy your family, destroy your church, because that's where Abner living goes when we let the flesh control. There's good news, though, that I want to close with here. And it's this, the rescue of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. For they are in opposition to one another. I, the only other term I can think of, they're, they're in a tug of war. <laughs> The flesh and the spirit are in a tug of war, and the results of the flesh are destructive. But the rescue of the spirit, verse 18, if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. See, when that Abner inside of me wants to rise up and fight for turf, now, don't take, sometimes, you know, I, you know, I, I want to put a disclaimer in, because if, if, if your boss is supposed to be paying you $20 an hour and you got paid and it was only $10 an hour, I'm not saying that you're supposed to go, okay, Lord, I'm not going to run ahead of you. It's all right to contact your boss and say, hey, uh, I only got paid for half of what I'm supposed to get. There are places in life to, you know, pursue the truth, make things done right. You know, I'm talking about that spirit inside that says, I don't care what God wants. I'm going ahead and claiming for me, no matter who it hurts. When you feel that rising up in you, there's a way to solve it, and it's by saying, spirit of God, Breathe into me and remind me of what gave David such peace. David, 
spoke these words to Solomon, and Solomon wrote them down in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Sometimes you feel that spirit coming, Lord, Holy Spirit, blow into me and just remind me that you see everything. You see it all. Let my peace be that I'm trusting you. If you're in it, you're in it. I don't want to run ahead of you. I don't want to cause the destruction that comes when I'm running ahead of you so that I can claim the land for myself, right? Spirit of God, take your word, right? The Bible says the word of God is able to, to, to literally pierce through your intentions. Holy Spirit, show me my intentions here. I sense this spirit of Abner welling up in me. But it's also when you're dealing with others. And, and, and it's a spirit of Abner, not in you, but it's coming at you perhaps from someone else, right? What, what do we read in Proverbs chapter 17? Proverbs 17 and verse 14. It says this, The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. You know, st strife starts going, and, whoosh, and before you know it, that hole's going to get bigger and bigger, and the, the flood, the time. Uh, abandon the quarrel. I, I love what uh, Chafin says in his commentary. The war that would preoccupy Israel for several years, because they're now going, we're going into a time of civil war that we'll see in, in the weeks ahead, for several years began almost as a game, right? A challenge that accelerated into a full-scale war. Most conflicts that separate families or churches or lands often begin over differences and then grow into disastrous engagements. The most efficient peacemakers are not those who know how to stop raging wars, but those who recognize the dangers in the small engagements and refuse to let them grow. And so I worked on this sermon, went over it again yesterday morning, Lord working in my life, sitting in the house yesterday afternoon with my wife, looking out at our back fence and bushes, thinking about, you know, that fence is falling apart. I said to Greta, you should have never torn those vines off of that fence because when you tore the vines off that fence, you left it in. She said, well, the fence was falling apart anyway. And I said, no, the vines would have held it together. Those vines, <laughs> those vines were, they were solid and sturdy. They were holding it together. She says, honey, the, the thing, it's, we've, had, we've been here for 26 years. It was, it's been here the whole, it's a fence. It was going to fall. Uh, no, you know, I'm just saying to you that if, you, you know, it, that it would have solved a lot of trouble if you, and she said, I don't have to be right. Okay. <laughs> and I said, come to think of it, I think you are right. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> You're right. But what did, what, what did she do? Little Abner was rising up in her husband there in the house, you know, going to let her know, you know, I'm claiming the high ground here. 
And she kind of said, all right, big Abner, you know, <laughs> all right, you go ahead and you, you, you take that if that's, if that's what you want. But my point is the way she responded immediately caused me, it's not always going to. I hear news this week, the United States and the United Kingdom have uh, launched some significant weapons into Yemen to stop the bombs that are into, uh, the big concern. And we don't want the war in the Middle East expanding, expanding. I, what can I do to stop the war in the Middle East from expanding? I, I can't, I, nothing. But I can stop the ones that are happening inside of me. And you can also. Uh, because it's a timeless tug of war between the flesh and the spirit. Let the Holy Spirit win the tug of war. Father in heaven, we thank you for this portion of Scripture. Thank you for reminding us that this is real. This isn't just old stories. This is truth that you want us to gain from because you are alive and well today, living in us, and you want our lives to look different because of your life in us. So humble us, forgive us, give us the grace to turn to the Spirit and to put down the Abner of our flesh, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.